Good morning. So, my invitation for today is to consider the entire day as a day of practice. What does that mean? It means, the invitation means, in this moment when you're sitting and listening, and I'll be sharing some content this morning, still consider it a practice and let the main object still be the breath in your body. Remember yesterday we talked about listening with your whole body, opening, ah, sense of relaxation, sense of ease, ah, just a meditative state the entire day, whether you're listening, if you raise your hand, you're speaking, whether we're in silence, walking, sitting, if you're going to the bathroom, eating your lunch, to really think of this as a day of retreat. I kind of shift your intention, your attitude a little bit towards it, even more so. Does that make sense, that invitation? And then I would invite you at the end of the day to see how you feel, what the state of your mind is at the end of a non-residential day of retreat, how this shift in intention at the beginning of the day can make a difference. Okay? So, to start, and also another intention I have for today, excuse me, is I will be sharing some content, as I mentioned, um, and my intention is there will be more time for really practice and exploring yourself with the tools, the invitations that I'm sharing with you to really try it out for yourself and see how, in, in this laboratory that is your mind and you're a scientist of, to see how it's working out, not just taking my word for it. So with that, I wanted to start this morning with a brief review of yesterday, uh, especially with the eight um, principles or supportive factors, supportive factors uh, for developing samadhi that I shared. So, and I thought it would be helpful to actually write them down today so you're seeing them as you're going through the day. So... Can you see back there, is this the font, the way I'm writing, is it big enough? It's okay? Good, okay. For cultivating samadhi. And again, just to remind you, these these factors aren't from any sutta or vasudhimaga. These are Nikki's factors from years and years of practice, what kind of works and what doesn't. So I've accumulated these. And you actually, you do find them here and there in as part of all the teachings, but not as an eight, because the Buddha liked lists, so this eight you won't find anywhere put together. 
You like lists, so do I. Okay. So, what was the first one? Relax. Great. Relax. Can't ah, emphasize it enough. In fact, as you hear this, this pr- pr- principle, can you put it in action right now? <sighs> what in your body needs to be softened? Are there muscles? Is there tension? Ah, oh, my shoulders are tight. Okay, I can let that go. Oh, I'm holding my belly a little tight. My breath is doesn't need to be this tight. Oh, I can just relax it and let it move. Wow, I'm already feeling actually more grounded. Just turning my attention as I'm standing here. Actually, I feel my feet more as I relax. See what shifts in you right now in real time. Doesn't take much, it takes a few seconds maybe. Okay, great. <clears throat> Number two. Receive, yes, receive. Receive a receptive attitude, not going out and getting the breath, observing from a control tower on top of your head there's the breath, but receiving ah, as if the breath was a breeze moving through. Ah, it's kind of joyous. It's like a visiting friend. Ah, receiving. How can you open up and receive? Okay. Okay. Number three. I've changed the order. That's why last time I put enjoy. So yes, you're right. (laughs) Yesterday I shared with seclusion. So renunciation, giving up, seclusion of the mind. Seclusion of mind slash renunciation. And again, this idea here is you're deciding, not because thoughts are bad or any any problems, just you're deciding out of of intention, out of the joy, out of something better, out of how samadhi can actually support you, support your heart, support your life, support your healing, whatever it might be. You decide, okay, I'm going to take this time to, to, to be in seclusion. Ah... Not now, not now. Dear friend, dear thoughts, dear emotions, not now. So with a friendly attitude, the sense of seclusion and renunciation, giving up, giving up the distractions, giving up, oh, that would be fun to think about right now. If I solve that problem right now in my head, no, renouncing it for now, for now. And again, it's just for now while you're doing this practice. Okay? Number four. Enjoy, yes. Enjoy. That's a big one. Practice isn't supposed to be grim duty. If you're not enjoying it, don't do it. It's it's joyous. Practice is joyous. It's fun. It's mm, it's it can be yummy and and bring and actually turning your mind to joy can. Um, make you more sensitive to actually see the joy in practice with the other things too. Actually, the, the next one, the next one being, you remember what the was that? <clears throat> right. I was actually thinking about the the other one that was curiosity, which actually brings out joy. No, no, I know. I I was jumping ahead in my mind. You're right. The next one, persistent perseverance. 
or gentle, rather, it's gentle, yes. It's gentle. Gentle persistence. Persistence, perseverance, persistence. I like persistence, that's good. Gentle persistence. Gentle persistence. So the idea, with really emphasis on both of these, it's gentle, it's very soft. You keep bringing the mind back over and over and over again, and there's a lot of persistence. You just do it over and over and over again. Number six. Curiosity. Yes. That's the one in my mind I was jumping ahead to because when you have curiosity, you can enjoy more. There is more joy. There's more like, ah, what is that? What's the quality of the breath? Or what's happening here? Oh, oh, there's this space. There's space. Ah, so there's that sense of curiosity or interest um, can feed can feed en- enjoyment. Number seven, surrender. surrender. This was an overloaded one. There were a bunch of things here, so there was surrender, and it was let go of outcome, which kind of goes with surrender. Was that? Let go of outcome and and trust. I kind of had trust in here. I mean, they kind of go together in a way for me, all these concepts. And kind of trust that when you do the work, when you just do, when you do your part, rather, I don't want to say do the work, when you do your part, when you set these conditions in place, the rest will take care of itself. It will just unfold on its own. And number eight... Intention, attitude. In fact, what a, the way I like to put it is attitude, kind of with a question mark, kind of like checking in on your attitude. Like, ah, oh, what's the mind that's meditating right now? What is my intention right now as I'm sitting and meditating? And as, also, as we discussed, the, the A also goes, it's in the other side of the coin of seven. But this is kind of like, what is the attitude? Am I trying to do this practice of samatha in order to get something, in order to get the jhana badges, to get these attainments I've heard about, or could be a good meditator? Is uh, Why? Or am I just doing it because? Um, Because just being human, curious, exploring, understanding my own mind, hard growing. Is there something to get? Kind of exter- um, is it um, external or is it really internal? So, so any questions from what we covered today before we move on? Yeah? <coughs> so I was thinking about these eight this morning. Um, and coming up with this uh, respepsy for uh, for you, you have rain and that you, right, and, right, right, right. Um, for be curious was my babe, but then I was sort of doing a factor analysis. Yeah, and thinking some things go together. They do exactly. So I kind of had t- something that basically is be open and whistle while you work. Be open and whistle while you work. So it was sort of a sense of openness and purpose. Yeah. And enjoyment, because the whistling (coughs) part has the enjoyment. Yes, the enjoyment. Yeah. So I kind of put relax, receive, and surrender Mm. together. I like that, yeah. And then I put 
seclude, gentle Gentle persistence, curiosity, and intention. Yeah, nice. Um, And then enjoy was kind of all by itself. So I guess that would be in, in, that's floating between them. That's floating between them, yeah. Great. I like that. I keep changing, I have to say. Every time I teach it, I kind of change the order. and the way, Because the order and the way that you group them, I really appreciate that. And, I, um, and it's lovely. And maybe I'll do that next time. Well, so I was, the time after that, I'll do something different. You know, it's just kind of so like... I have to... I'm thinking about how could I communicate yeah. what you took all day right, right, in, right. in a shorter period. Right, right. But I, I, the reason why I thought about it yeah. is that I think this is like um, this woman was speaking about yesterday. This is a fantastic framework. It's an incredibly humanizing framework for what to do on the cushion. And I, I just want to reflect that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And <clears throat> and I appreciate how your mind organized and came up with it. And I love that. So we can talk more about that offline later. Um, and yeah, and, and I think um, there's also, as I'm thinking, I'm taking, there is something about the brevity and kind of the conciseness and having the message and the concise unpack. And also there is something about really taking all day to kind of like, ah, relax. It's so important because each and every one is so important to to not pack it, really unpack it, like give, give it its own attention. Because for me, it's taken years to get each and every one of these in place. Like, oh, that's important. Oh, that's important too. And that's important in a different way than the other one is important. So I think the packing is important after unpacking or packing in that so so both need to be there thank you yeah great love that so actually today i want to keep the conversation a little less than yesterday so it's it's intentional so if it's is um let's hold on to that is that okay and unless it's a it's an, an okay if it's a clarifying question. Okay. So, <clears throat> so for today, again, my intention is to have more practice and also there are a few more things I want to share. Um, and here's what I have in mind for today to just really cultivate um, I would like to start the morning by some practice, by just kind of exploring on our own, getting in the space. And then, actually, let's just do it. I won't, like, I won't preload. So let's just start with some practice, uh, with some sitting, walking, and then I'll share some content a little later. Ah. <sighs> Getting in your meditation posture, allowing your back to be straight, feeling your back is supported, and maybe even feeling that your head is 
that, that there is a an invisible thread connected to the top of your head, pulling you out, pulling you up, vertebrae by vertebrae, so that your spine. Supported is just gently being pulled up on its own. Ah, and you can relax your muscles. Ah, you can soften, relax your muscles while your spine is held up on its own, being pulled up, unpacked. Ah. And soften and let go of all the muscles in your face, your jaw. Shoulders, arms and hands. Chest, your abdomen, softening, relaxing. Sit bones, the groin area, upper legs, lower legs, and feet. Ah, with each out breath, Sinking in more into this body, into this moment. Taking refuge. Taking refuge in this moment. Sense of seclusion. Sense of safety in this mind, in this body right now, as if you're sitting in an imaginary bubble. Ah, safe, comfortable, secluded, calm. Receiving the breath, receiving the movement of the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath. As if it's a gentle breeze on this beautiful sunny day, breezing, blowing through the meadow at Spirit Rock. This gentle breath is blowing through your body. And you just are aware of it, that's all. Simple awareness. Aware, appreciating. Appreciating, enjoying. The movement of the in-breath in this body.
movement of the out-breath in this body. Having a sense of interest, curiosity. About your experience, about the breath right now as it moves through. Movement of the breath. Sensations in your body, in your belly. And see if a sense of curiosity or interest feeds a sense of delight in this experience. Wow, the breath. What an amazing phenomena. My body knows how to do that. It does it on its own. There's nothing that I have to do. Of awe, curiosity, interest. Enjoying, enjoying this experience. Opening up your mind to joy. Letting there be a sense of ease, letting go in your body, in your mind. Surrendering the practice and not doing it for getting something which can make the mind tight. Perhaps inviting this practice, giving your mind, your heart to it, letting yourself be surprised as to how it can unfold and support you, support your humanity, support your growth, support your healing. Again, not setting those as goals. Letting yourself be surprised as to how it might flourish or flower beyond your expectations.
And as thoughts, memories, plans will come to visit. The sake of deepening this practice for the sake of calm, stability, collecting the mind. For the sake of all this, for the sake of something that is more wholesome, less contracting, with friendliness, tell the thoughts, not now, not now, later. I'll come back to you. I trust that if you're important enough, you'll be here and I'll attend to you when the time is right. But for now, dear friend, there is something more important I'm cultivating. There will be gentleness, as you say, not now, but persistence. As the thoughts will visit you a thousand times, it's okay. Your mind is not defective, only normal. But how you go about saying no gently That can support many aspects of the cultivation of the mind. So be gentle. Be gentle, yet persistent.
Notice your attitude. Tension right now. See if your attitude is tight, wanting, grabbing, whether it's adversarial, with respect to your thoughts, with respect to yourself. Any of these, no need. Allowing there to be an ease, an acceptance, a kindness. A kindness towards yourself. Towards however your practice is unfolding. Whatever you need to learn will be presented to you under the microscope of samadhi, when the mind gets calm. Patterns can seem much larger. They can blow up. (sighs) They could be more difficult to be with or witness. So relax some more. Allow some more. Be kind to your experience, to yourself, whatever is arising over and over and over again. Tendency tends to be to whip yourself into action. The strong, painful whip. Put down the whip. Let there be ease, relaxation, gentleness, persistent gentleness. Just this in-breath, just this out-breath.
Receiving this in-breath. Receiving this out-breath. Joyously. And wear a smile and see how that might shift things again this morning. Lips. As you can. Just experiment. Might feel silly, but come on. Give it a go. Begin to see if any tension has crept in to your body and relax. You're feeling inundated with thoughts this morning. Here is something I invite you to try. See if you can shift the center of gravity of your awareness from your head to your belly. Shifting down the center of gravity and sinking to your lower abdomen, 
your mind, whatever your mind is, is in, in your lower abdomen. Not your head, lower abdomen. This can shift things for you. I'd be surprised. moment, I'm going to ring the bell once. And my invitation is that we seamlessly transition into a walking period. And I suggest you don't sit. You actually do go out for a walk. It's a lovely day. Let yourself enjoy walking outdoors. If you find you want to smile at the poppy flower or a, or a blade of grass, please smile. And remember, last invitation about letting the center of gravity be low your belly, your lower abdomen, or your feet. Actually, let it be lower abdomen. So as you're walking, imagine your mind, your thinking organ is in your belly, moving in the world, receiving the breath in the belly. The center of gravity has shifted down. Walking, you're carrying this precious orb in your belly, your mind organ, whatever that might be. Feel free to experiment. We'll have the walking period for 20 minutes and we'll be back here at 11.05. And let this whole transition to standing and walking be part of practice. <coughs> Stay with your breath.
seamlessly continuing this extended period of practice back into sitting. And notice the quality, quality of your attention, your awareness. After walking, When we do a dedicated period of practice, especially walking, it can really support the calm the mind, the calm and collect the mind when sitting. Notice if that's the case for you. You're building up momentum. Whatever is visiting your mind right now. See for yourself, what is the skillful way to work with it right now? Is it helpful to say not now? Is it helpful to turn to it with kindness, with metta? Turn to it with Vipassana, with observing it, or with rain, working with emotions. When possible, coming back to the breath, relaxing, receiving, deepening the settling of the mind, the calming. Einstein said, we can't solve our problems with the same mind that created them. Calm, collected mind. When we practice samadhi, can have insight. The way that's not available to our normal, ordinary monkey mind.
let go and receive
How are you? Especially if you haven't spoken before, maybe throw out a few words. How are you this morning after this period of practice extended? Calm. Calm. Enjoying? Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? The internal experience can be so simple and so delicious in its simplicity sometimes. Yeah. Easeful. Nice. Yeah. Ah, as you say that, I feel that too. What else? Gentle. Gentle. Not now. Not now, dear friend. Yeah, gentle. Yeah. Centered. Ah. Mmm. What else? else comes up for you? What other words? Hey, it's fun to look out at you guys in the room. This is it's a very different sense from how you entered this morning or yesterday morning. Anything else? Any other words you want to bring in before we move on? Grateful. Hmm. It's beautiful how the heart can open too. When the mind settles, the heart can open. Beautiful. Ah. So I appreciate all the words that were dropped in just now because those are some of the fruits of a mind that gets collected, sense of stability, centeredness, gentleness, deliciousness, calm, ease, joy, all of these that you can taste for yourself. And to say, also if you find yourself struggling with lots of friends visiting and they keep visiting, that too, that can teach you so much as you're trying to cultivate this practice. So this practice, the practice of samadhi, you learn no matter what. It's fruitful. It's, it's um, nourishing no matter what. In the process, while you're going through the surf, and there are all these thoughts that come up, and they end up being under the microscope, as I said. There's something about the practice of samadhi that really puts thoughts under the microscope. So they seem even bigger and more overwhelming than they usually tend to be. So as difficult as that may sound, it's a great opportunity to work with them and really see the pattern, really see the truth of the the, the um, nature of the pattern, um, because especially when patterns become really, really visible and painful, that's when the mind goes like, oh, enough, I just don't want to do you anymore, right? But you kind of need to get to that point. Your nose kind of needs to be rubbed in. It's like, oh my God. And the mind kind of goes, 
ah, it, it, the mind lets go on its own from the pattern. It's not so much that you let go. The mind lets go when it gets to a point of like, this is so hard. It's like, oh, I just, mind, I just don't want to do this anymore, kind of the mind goes. So whether you find yourself caught in the surf, which is very common, by the way, it's part of this practice. If you haven't been caught in the surf, you will, okay? It's, it's part of this practice, part of, that's why this practice is called a purification practice, and purification doesn't just happen easily. No, it's like uh, I always think of gold when it's purified. Like it's got to be molten first. It needs to really get hot. So, the, as a part of the purification practice, you might be going through a few of those cycles, and it's okay. This actually not just okay. It's great. I know it doesn't feel great. It feels rotten, but it's part of this practice too. The cycles of purity, purification. So purity, purification, you'll experience that with this practice. So what do I mean by cycles of purity, purification? So, so purification, purification is when these, when these difficulties arise um, in the mind and they seem so intense that, you know, just saying not now, not now doesn't work. It's like, okay, all right, friend, let's sit, have tea, okay with compassion, with mindfulness, we're using R-A-I-N, whatever you need to kind of sit with. But And especially because they're going to be huge under the microscope of a mind that's already a little calmer. So the, pu- the purification period is when, like, oh, this is so hard, what am I doing here? Why did I sign up for this two-day retreat? Like, like the mind is just, like, oh. So those are, those are the purification cycles. And then when one works with them skillfully, mindfully, ah, there can be purity cycles. Like, okay, some some space, some stillness, some silence, some stability, some joy. Ah, it's like, oh, you're surfing the wave and just kind of like feels good. And there could be other cycles of purification and purity. And... And um, there does come a time, there does come a time that the cycles of purity, purification kind of like ease and lessen. It's like, ah. And it can be a sense of openness, bliss, centeredness, ease, etc. And those are the, t- at that point, whenever that might be for one's practice, that's when periods of um, accessing deeper states of concentration can can become more accessible. So I'd like to talk about jhanas in a moment, which are deep states of concentration in a moment. But I want to pause for a moment and ask if there are any questions or clarifications from your practice this morning so far or anything you'd like to report or ask about before I move on. Oh, Clisterl. Oh, yes, question. And wait for the mic, please, right behind you. I um, uh, 
keep trying to be more centered in my body than my mind. And it doesn't come naturally. And I just wanted to see if you had anything else to say about it. It feels like my mind is focused on the center of my body, not that it's all starting in the center of my body. Yeah, it, it does just feel more like the, the, some, um, the, what is it, the control tires, like kind of watching down. Yeah, I guess I go in, in and out. But in and out? It's, it, it's, it's not coming easily, and I just wanted to see if you had any other comments on it. Yeah, so let, hold on, actually, hold on to the mic for a moment. We might explore this, because coming up for you, it'll be, it's coming up for others, too. It's um, for heady people, it's especially more difficult. Um and and also in the West we turn to be more heady than than embodied. So so let me unpack what I mean. Say a little more about it and provide pointers both for you and also for all of those who are wondering what the heck does Nikki mean? Like let your mind be in your belly, lower belly. And there's a sense of so so to bootstrap. Um, it helps to first just feel the body, the sensations of the body as a stepping stone to that instruction. So as you're sitting, for example, feeling your feet, like the, really the raw sensation. So mindfulness of the body, kaya katasati, that really is the stepping stone to this instruction that I'm giving. So if you're really sensing, feeling, but the sensing feeling again isn't from, oh, let me go down to my toe and sense my toe, right? It's more like, imagine um, the toe is an organ of sensation. The toes, the feet, can sense themselves from the inside. Like, wake them up. Like, I know, like you're waking up a, a sense you've, you have, but you haven't realized you have, it's like a sixth sense almost, the toes can wake up and feel sense for themselves. Do you, do you feel that shift as we're talking about? Like it's different, it's like wow, they're, they're alive. It's kind of, there's a sense of aliveness. You feel that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, great. So that, you can... Bring that in the rest of your body. And then uh, feet and hands tend to, because there's a lot of, you know, know, sensing, um, I'm forgetting the word, but anyway. Um, Then can also do that with your hands right now. Let the hands feel, sense from the inside, like, Wow, they feel alive all of a sudden. It's like, wow, whose are these hands, right? It, the, it could uh, come up this feeling of they don't even belong to you. That's kind of like the sense of, oh, like they sense on their own. You can kind of flip, perhaps. So that's what I'm talking about with your belly. It's like, <sighs> kind of letting the sensations, the feelings of breathing alive like wow the belly is sensing it on its own the sensations are felt on their own 
So you can play with whatever areas are easier first. You can start with that so that you lose this hegemony of the head control tower thing and it becomes more like, wow. And then it can kind of spread. You're welcome. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. And over there. Yeah, so I wasn't initially going to share, but in the context of this conversation, I kind of freaked out a little bit in our first morning sitting this morning because I don't know how to explain it. Like, my breathing was kind of weird, and I specifically felt like I couldn't feel my hands. Uh Kind of a freak out. Um, Yeah. Deep panic, I guess is the best way to describe it. I I don't exactly... Uh, maybe it's because I rely on my hands so much, or I don't know what I'm doing, but it was just kind of a panicky... It's hard to explain. It's like my breath was really um, weird, like slow. Like I, I was trying to think about what you were saying, like waiting for the breath, but I guess... Waiting for the breath? Or like to receive the yeah. breath. Yeah. Um, but it's not yeah, waiting, kind of by the way, just just to clarify. I'll clarify. It's not waiting. It's like holding your breath to wait for it. That's not what I mean yeah. when I mean receiving, just uh-huh. to clarify yeah. that. So I it wonder. was just more like, um, it just, I don't know how to explain Yeah, it. but like that's a side slow, note. But you, what you're weird, talking about. slow breath and like, uh-huh. I can't feel my hands. I thought, I don't know. Could so. you hold a little closer, oh, dear? Oh, yeah. 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 So what you're describing is what happened for you this morning overall was a sense of panic. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. how the panic for you came about was uh, the first thing that happened was... I just noticed my breath was kind of slow or like... Sh- um, uh-huh. Yeah, it just didn't feel normal, I yeah. guess, because I was paying attention to my breath. And uh-huh. then I started paying attention to other things and uh-huh. I realized I couldn't feel my hands. You couldn't feel your hands. And okay. I was trying to like shake out of it. And okay. I eventually was able to like move my hands, but yeah. I don't know, it was just kind of odd. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so I was trying to think of where I got lost on our list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You haven't got lost. It's um, not, you know, what you're describing actually. The panicking aside, which also is the reaction of the mind is like, whoa, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> like, ah, where am I? It's like not, nothing you're describing is scary or freaky to me and okay. it's completely actually natural so let me tell you what's happening it's the reaction this is very helpful yeah. you know this is all in the territory so so the thing is you know it's really how your mind you know when i was talking about purity purification perfect example this is great because something unusual out of the ordinary came up for you and then your mind went ah get me out of here right and i bet that tends to be how your mind usually reacts to something it doesn't know right so and then you went like lost it like this is uh, right so you get to see this pattern now because nothing in what you described sounds alarming or scary to me it's completely part of this territory yes when you pay attention to your breath sometimes when your mind really settles your breath your breath will become shallower and slower you might even not feel your breath at all 
There are states of concentration I will talk about where the breath gets so shallow. And in jhanas, the breath completely stops. And you won't, one will not have brain damage. But it's just part of, no, 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 this is good. No, hang in here. This is precious for you. Don't feel like you're taking too much time. This is for everyone's benefit. This is really important. So, so just see how your mind reacts to an unknown. And again, you're, as you mentioned yourself yesterday, you're a very beginner meditator. Great, I appreciate your courage to be here for a two-day non-residential where you're exploring these... Like, was, was that... <laughs> this is this is great. Yeah, gratitude. Yay, coming up again. So, so appreciate that what you're actually reporting. It's not unusual. So, what I'm sharing with you, it's completely normal. The breath can feel shallow or, you know, or disappear, and it's it's all part of this territory. Yay, everybody's part of this territory. If it happens to you, yeah, okay, well. Oh, interesting. Like, look at it as, oh, that's interesting. Okay. And yes, you can, you know, your relationship with perception of your body parts, it can also shift when you're in this state. It's also fine. Don't worry. It will come back. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's like, yeah. No, no, it's, no, it's okay. Don't, sweetie, don't feel embarrassed by it. Just see the pattern of your mind. That's how your mind reacts. Be friendly with it. Oh, dear mind, you're panicking again. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's through that befriending that you can move to the next stages. By befriending, don't feel guilty or ashamed. or No, it's like, okay, this is the pattern, mind. I see you. I see you. And I'm going to work with you. And you're not going to scare me next time because I see you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's shifting your... Re- That's exactly right. It's, it's, it's actually it's seeing it in a different light. Then here's what I'm going to tell you. If you continue to work in this way, then nothing will scare you. That is the definition of freedom. In the, when we say Nibbana, liberation, it's like nothing scares you. Nothing. That's freedom. Does that make sense to you? Actually, pause for a moment. How many things scare you? Imagine being exactly, being in a state as a human being where nothing, nothing is scared, everything is friendly. It's like, yeah, yeah, I see you. I, yeah, nothing scares you. That's the goal of this. The whole thing we're doing here, by the way, that's the goal of this practice. And it happens in bite chunk sizes like what you described. When you work with it skillfully, yay, you're on the path to more freedom. Does that help? You're very welcome. I appreciate you bringing it up for everyone's benefit. Okay, right in front of you. I had this experience... um, when we were doing our first sitting. Um, so I've been working with the Anapana spot. and um, You skipped ahead. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. I'll share that later today. Yeah. And I would get just, it was pretty brief, but mm-hmm. where I was, um, where I, 
I uh, could stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I attended your non-residential retreat last July, and so I, I can only explain it in those terms, really, where I, I felt like the kind of Vitaka Vachara was there. Yeah. And then I had this experience I haven't had before, and it was very brief, but I felt like... Like, I knew there was thought, but it was all on the periphery. Yeah. But then I felt almost, um, like, this vibration in my body, like I was doing, I don't know, like a headstand or something. Like, I was wobbling. Yeah. And then uh, I would fall off, and then I could come back, and then I was wo- it was, like, wobbly. I don't know how else to explain uh-huh, it, but uh-huh. I haven't had that before. Yeah, yeah. So what you're describing is... Uh, and I'll explain in a moment what Vitaka, because that's the next thing I'm going to talk about. There is Vitaka, Vichara, there is sustained application, and uh, there, there's application and sustained uh, attention. And then the um, what you're describing is that, there, I didn't know to understand the periphery bit you said. What was the periphery um, Like a lot of, so where... The thoughts, uh-huh. thoughts, thoughts were, were in the, the periphery. periphery. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then, so there was a sense of vibration yes. in the whole body? Yeah, or? in my whole body. Oh, okay. That's PT. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll talk about PT. Okay. That's, because that's what it is like. It's like, oh. and yeah. PT, the energy of rapture, which is one of the jhanic factors. So Vitaka and Vichar, we're going to just dive in. Vitaka and Vichar, the first two... T- jhanic factors. The third one is PT. So the first two you can control, you can... Uh, which I'll talk about in a moment. The third one, PT, is kind of this rapturous energy that can show up in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that it can show up as a vibration, like... Yeah. That's that it. Exactly. Thank you. That's PT. Uh, it's helpful to have a name for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally PT. You're in the territory. Good. Next. Was a hand back there. <laughs> this is where it gets kind of interesting on the second day, the money, you know, the... <laughs> The very start starts to come up. Yeah, please. Um, Yesterday when I started to get really embodied, um, it was, um, I have some health issues and so I was was Mm -hmm. feeling like pain and like fatigue and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, it was just really striking to me how much I had like been keeping myself away from that experience. and, but today, at times, I'm just feeling, like, so great and experiencing that. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing, but um, there's still, like, that fear of yeah. the whole experience, you know? The whole fear of... There's still the fear of, well, there's pain, you know, and, like, right. just feeling more pain and fatigue. and. So so help me understand, please. So... so yeah. the, um, so there is a fear of experiencing pain if more of it comes up or it is here or or because you're feeling good you don't want to experience more pain help me understand what's um, happening so when i was driving here i was like yeah you know this music is incredible this view is incredible mm-hmm. and i'm feeling some pain and like I'm loving this, you know? Uh, what about the pain? Sorry, the, the, I'm feeling some pain, but also I'm just like enjoying everything, you Got know? It. Got it. Uh, okay. okay. But there's still this fear of like, can I be in the state and like, kind of like, can I handle it, you know? Yeah. Okay. So can I handle the pain if it comes up? Is that where, or can I handle the joy? That's the part of you're losing me a little bit. Um. The fear is about handling the pain. 
the pain and how to like like I'm like that's an amazing state and can I stay in that state and like can I stay embodied and how do I I do that I see okay got it so uh, it's it's a sense of wow um Having so, so, let me paraphrase what I thought I heard. Having experienced, okay, having some pain and also feeling great, like wow, these two can coexist. Holy macaroni! Yeah. But can I? Can is this sustainable? Right. Right. It's great, and is it sustainable? Right. Yes. So, so, um, so I'll, I'll share with you. So. Um, I myself, I have a chronic illness. I have chronic Lyme. So when you go out, be very careful with the ticks. So, and it's completely, yes, possible to contain pain and discomfort and joy and ease and bliss and spaciousness at the same time. Completely. 100%. So I offer this to you as a borrowed trust from me because it's completely possible and also there is some verified trust verified faith for you because ooh, yeah this is possible really completely possible so explore it yeah thank you you're welcome yeah so i'd like to move on now to discussing to sharing a little bit about um, about deep states of concentration known as jhanas. J-H-A-N-A. Jhana. So, I'd like to speak a little about it. And, um, and first I want to frame... Uh, why I'm speaking about it. And would it be helpful to take a five-minute bio break? Yeah, let's do that. Five-minute bio break, and then we'll come back.
Okay. So I would like to speak a little bit about um, deep states of concentration, deep states of samadhi. Um, So first to say that, again, just to repeat from yesterday, samatha is the practice, samadhi is the state of the mind being collected and calm. And a subclass of samadhi, so samadhi can have quite a range, a little bit of samadhi, a lot of samadhi when the mind is a little calm to states of deep absorption called jhanas. So the reason why I would like to talk about it a little bit is so that you have a sense of the terrain um, and also as a teacher, I want to be very careful not to set up a set a sense of wanting an expectation, like, oh, I want that, and that sounds cool, and that's an attainment. That's not my intention at all. And if you find yourself having that, like that contraction or tightness of, oh, I want that, be very careful with that kind of intention because it's the sure way for years and years of suffering. And it's not going to serve you well. It's not going to serve you for your awakening and for your ultimate freedom. Because getting jhanas is not the point. Is really not the point. It can be supportive for some people's practice. If their mind gravitates towards it, great. But for some people, it's not even needed and drive vipassana can lead you all the way to complete freedom and awakening anyway okay so the reason why i presented is both so you know what the possibilities are what the terrain potential ter- terrain of the mind can be and also for a sense of inspiration if your mind has proclivity for deeper states of samadhi and to say any state of samadhi, um, or rather um, some states of samadhi, some level of samadhi is available for everyone. But the deepest states, again, given how they're defined, some minds take to it, some minds don't take to it. It's like learning foreign languages. You know, Everyone can learn a little bit, but some people are really good at it and they pick up a language and like, they're fluent, right? So, And that's just the proclivity of your mind and embrace whatever it is. Don't fight against it. Whichever it is, it's all good. So, so with that, um, so um, when the mind, when samadhi, when um, the mind getting collected, the state deepens and deepens and the mind gets really, really steady. Really steady with the, on the object of awareness, which in this case we're using breath. And thoughts become very infrequent, very peripheral. They don't even come up, um, really. Um, And in fact, one can stay with the breath for a long, long time without any distracting thought coming up. Um, Then states of deeper concentration, deeper samadhi, 
um, arise, so known as jhana, again, J-H-A-N-A. And also to say there are different um, definitions of what a jhana is and what it isn't, according to different teachers. So some teachers set the bar for jhana pretty low, when the mind is kind of spacious, settled, and the five jhanic factors, which I will talk about in a moment, when they're kind of arising and they're there, yeah, they say, that's jhana, good, tick, okay, done. Um, then there's the other end of the spectrum. There are some teachers and some, some ways of teaching the jhanas that the bar for what constitutes what, um, yeah, what constitutes a state defined as jhana is very strict, very specific, to the point that um, you know the five jhanic factors really need to be perfected, really need to be heightened, really need to be balanced, um, and also the jhana itself, the state of absorption. The mind is so content and absorbed on the object that other senses stop functioning. For example, um, the definition would be one is not, one does not hear anything anymore or feel or sense or smell. So it's just the mind is so absorbed, for example, in the breath, in the object, that the other senses just stop functioning. Okay. So that's kind of a high bar. And there are different ways of getting into those jhanas based on the high bar. So so again, different tea and I've practiced so so about my background, so I've practiced um a range, but the so my teacher, my Burmese teacher, Paul Oxayada, he's the the living jhana master who has a very strict definition of jhana, which is the Visuddhimagga Abhidhamma. It's the the you know, the one that I describe, like no senses and thought stop and just like He's on the deep, deep end. Um, and so so I've practiced a range, including with him. So for, for me, for my definition of jhana, um, I tend to subscribe more to the deeper end uh, and the other aspects I can, I, I tend to see them as jhana light. I've experienced them. So, so to, to tell you my personal story, so... Um, I had practiced with other teachers. Uh, I had practiced jhanas, and it seemed like, oh, yeah, first jhana, second jhana, third, fourth, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is what it's like. So then I went and practiced with Pak Sayada, and, and he took me through his method very systematically, step by from the beginning, like step by step by step, in a different way of of the mind getting uh, concentrated and getting to jhanas. And, and my experience was, wow. It seemed like what I had considered to be this wow experience before, like, wow, jhanas, the mind is so stable and bright. Later to me, it seemed like I had been listening to um, a radio. I had been listening to a song on an AM radio, kind of crackly, and right? But now, having practiced with Poxide, it seemed like I was listening to it on surround sound, like concert hall, like, wow. The mind is so, it, it's just a different experience. So it's the same song. So it was the same piece of music, it seemed like. But the quality of the 
the the vividness of it um, was was different. So so that's how I like to share. So I think John is the quality could be the same when one is in the territory, and it can be a very different different experience of it. Um, so, but again, having said that, I would like to say, even though there are very different experiences of it, whatever level might be accessible to you, whatever level of of samadhi might be accessible to you, which might even be not jhanas, but access concentration. Access concentration is, are this, I'll talk about it more, but are the states of the mind settling even before the mind gets into a jhana, the definition. Um, even access concentration is sufficient for liberating insight all the way to nibbana, freedom. So, ah, I think that's lovely. But all you know, no matter where your mind can fall on this large axis, um, the, the the big range, there is a lot of capacity. So just working with your pro- proclivities. So, so I like to talk a bit about. So jhanas are again the different definitions, different levels, but it's basically the same song. And, um, is where the mind gets very uh, bright, spacious, non-distracted, uh, thoughts abated, and um, the mind feels very secluded, really, on its own, very safe and secluded. Um, and there are five jhanic factors that need to be, uh, need to show up, developed, before a jhana can show up. So so let me talk about the five jhanic factors and their relationship. So the five factors, as they came up earlier today, um, the first the first one is called vitaka. And the English, you know, these are poly words. They're spelled in funny ways in English, but vitaka is usually spelled as V-I-T-A-K-K-A, vitaka. So, the translation of that is initial application. Initial application. Actually, I'll tell you all their names and then I'll say what, what they are. The second one is vichara, spelled as V-I-C-A-R-A, vichara, which is sustained application. So we have initial application, sustained application. The third one is um, piti, P-I-T-I, and the I, the second I has a line on it, PT. It's kind of a longer I, PT. And that's translated as rapture or joy. There are different ways that it can show up. The fourth one is Sukha, S-U-K-H-A, translated as bliss. And the fifth one is Ekagata, spelled as E-K-A-G-G-A-T-A, ekagata, often translated as one-pointedness. So, so the five jhanic factors, um, also what I want to say about them, that you might see them in your practice, even... um, 
because they, it's kind of like they're, they're signposts. They're part of the terrain of practicing samadhi concentration. They can come up as earlier was reported. PT was coming up with someone practicing. So the first, the first two, initial application and sustained application, those two are what you have control over, is what you do. The other three arise on their own. You can't do the other three. They, are, they come up when the first two are done. Okay, so let's talk about the first two. Initial application and sustained application. So initial application is how basically the the way your mind, your attention, your awareness will um, be applied, will initially connect, make contact with the object, the object you've chosen. And in this case, again, object is the breath. We're working with the breath. But again, there are 40 different objects, but again, with the breath. So initial application, vitaka, is, for example, if actually there's a simile in the suttas for for vitaka and vichara, which is like polishing a bowl. So vitaka is when, if you're polishing the bowl, and remember this visual, because this can come handy when you're practicing. So vitaka is this, making contact. So it's making contact with the bowl. Vichara is sustained application. It's like, ah, you kind of rub it. You rub the object with your attention. This is your attention. This is the object, your breath. Attention, contact with the breath. Attention, contact with the breath. And then you stay with the breath. Attention rubs the breath. Attention stays with the breath and rubs the breath. Stays with it. Okay? Initial application is like, Oh, there is the breath, and then you kind of stay with the breath in moving in, moving out, in breath, out breath, as long as you can. And when you lose it, you apply again. Vitaka, so vitaka vichara a million times. Vitaka vichara, and as you, as you practice longer and longer, there will be vitaka initial application, and then vichara can kind of become longer and longer and longer before attention kind of like falls off, peters out. And then again, apply and sustain. Okay? Right? Makes sense? So vitaka and vichara, applied attention, sustained attention. Okay. So basically what we've talked about, these are the frameworks Yesterday, hold on. We've talked about the framework of of really the preparatory framework for doing this vitaka and vichara. Being so today, we're becoming more conscientious about it. You've been doing it already, right? It's part of like turning your attention and saying not now, but now we're becoming a little more conscientious about it. Applying, sustaining, applying, sustaining. Hopefully sustaining, 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 sustaining. At some point it will just kind of like peter off on its own and then apply. Okay? Clarification question. Thank you. A quick question. Between 
jhana light and deep jhana is the difference in the quality or intensity or wholeness of contact versus contact with the entirety, contact with the entirety of mind. Is it the intensity of the contact and the sustaining? No, that has nothing to do with it. It's, um, I'll talk, it's, um, it's not, it's, that's the same. It's the, the way one gets into a jhana, which I'll describe a little later, uh, which is different in the Pak style. It's using what's called a nimitta, which is the, the countersign of the breath. I'll talk more about that this afternoon, actually. Yeah, because that's what, yeah. Clarifying question? Um, so you're talking only about the mind now? Mm-hmm. What's happening with the emotions? So can you experience, for example, an intense state of bliss or l- like love really from the heart? Uh-huh. In a state of jhana, or like, what's mm. the role of emotions there? Yeah, so so I'm going to make a distinction between emotions and love. So emotions, um, so a sense of love that I um, I don't consider that to be an emotion. So a sense of love is is um, let me categorize that under love as in loving kindness as a feeling of. Ah, just so. Whereas emotions have, um, I think of them more as, say, anger or happiness or things that have both a mental component. They have both th- thoughts, um, physical manifestations, and um, um, let's just keep it at that. It's like energy in motion. So, so it's a little. So let me just give a really, I mean, I can talk about this for hours, but the quickest answer I can give you is when one, for example, um, uses metta, loving kindness, as the object of uh, concentration, uh, there can be stillness. The mind can get very absorbed, very still, very still in the feeling of love. It's not an emotion, because emotion has a lot of thinking and a lot of, uh, but it's just like absorbed in this in on sense of love and affection and warmth. Yeah, I think I meant feelings instead of emotions. That's, yeah, yeah. So it depends on what your object is. If your object, you choose doing, um, doing metta jhanas, uh, then there can be a lot of love. Um, and in fact, that can be a very healing practice for a lot of people. Just practicing and um, just dedicating their practice for months or even years to just do metta. May I be happy? May you be happy? Like different ways of practicing metta, and the mind can get really still and absorbed. And it's beautiful. I've practiced that also. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Right behind you, clarifying, and then I'm going to move on. Um, I think um, uh, if someone develops the the jhanas without the metta it it seems dangerous because i've i've seen people really um get in this state of deep concentration who can be quite ill-tempered and mean and exploitative and and it seems um it's not balanced is that mm. is that true um Yes and no. So, 
So I wouldn't say that jhanas per se on their own are dangerous if if it if it's not a metta jhana. I wouldn't say that, which is why yesterday I brought in the eighth being attitude and intention. So so that's really important. So just because you have observed and I have observed people whose mind can become really br- brittle when they're practicing jhana, it doesn't mean that uh, breath jhanas are dangerous. It doesn't mean that. Do you see the logic? Okay. So I think what can... Um, so as long as one keeps the North Star in mind, why are you practicing the jhanas? Why are you practicing concentration at all? Why are you drawn to it? Why? As long as the why, the attitude, the intention is clear, um, I think the pitfalls can be mitigated or seen or avoided. And there are a lot of pitfalls. So one pitfall is that people get, these states I'm about to describe are so lovely and addictive, that could be addictive, could be, that people can just check out and say, forget about Vipassana and insight practice and liberation. I just want to hang out in the bliss of the jhanas. This is like, whoa. And to me, that's not very different from being a drug addict. You just drug, you're just addicted to the bliss and I've been there, you know, in terms of bliss, is great, wonderful, and then so what? Big deal. You know, what is your intention? Why are you doing this practice? Um, so that's one of the pitfalls. And then the other pitfall, as I already mentioned yesterday, is that if you have this get it attitude, you want to get concentrated and get the badges, your mind can get very brittle and you can become a little bit of a jerk in the way you're describing. Like again, it goes back to your added really clarity. But why are you doing this practice? Who are you? What is the point of this life anyway? Just like really keeping it real, keeping it grounded to your humanity. Thank you. So I like to move on, and, and there's more I want to cover about the jhanas. So, so the first two, vitaka and vichara, is what we have control over, is what we put in place, the first two jhanic factors, okay? The other three arise on their own. Joy um, or rapture, piti, piti, energy of piti can show up in so many different ways. I cannot count all the ways. It can show up, um, and the reason why it's called both joy and piti is that the sense of joy can show up as, say, you're practicing, and you might have kind of seen a little bit of this already today, you're practicing, and then there's this sense of delight. You're just enjoying the practice. You're enjoying your breath. Maybe at some point you even fall in love with your breath. It's like, wow, this is yummy. And you start to have a relationship with the breath. It's like the sense of joy, delight. Pity can all, pity can also show up as energy in the body, or there's vibrations in the body. The body can feel hot or cold, or you, you, you can feel like the body is ballooning up, or, or feeling small, or there are like bugs crawling, and it's just, it's all sense of phenomena. You, you, or you can't feel your hands, or you can't feel your feet. It's just like they're different energetic changes that happen. It can also show up as 
intense pleasure, waves of pleasure. It can show up. Orgasming waves of pleasure. There's so many different ways PT can show up. And also there, I won't give a whole lecture on PT, but there are like five different raptures, five different types of PT. From the minor rapture to showering rapture, which feels like an explosion of light in your head throughout the body. It's just like, like wow, interesting. I didn't realize my body was capable of doing these things. It's just like, hmm. So what I invite, so the reason why I'm telling you these again is not to want it, but it's just, if any of these things come up, as have been reported this morning, don't be freaked out. It's like, huh, interesting. I didn't, wow, a trapdoor has opened to another way of this body, like uh, releasing energy, moving energy about. PT is not dangerous. It's, there's not, it's like, I, I sometimes liken it to a hiccup. You don't do a hiccup. A hiccup does you. It comes, it visits you, it goes, right? And sometimes hiccups are a pain in the neck. Sometimes they're fun. And they just are. They just are. There's nothing. Right. So think, thinking of PT in a way, this rapturous energy is, oh, yeah. It's like a signpost. Like, oh, yeah, you're getting close to Samadhi territory. Like, oh, yeah, look at that. PT. Okay. Rapture. Okay. And I say both pleasant and unpleasant because sometimes it can be unpleasant. It's be like, oh my God, okay, stop already. It's like, oh my God, I've been having these waves of like, but also they could be body movements on their own. Um, it's like, oh, enough already. I just want to sit like pff, another wave of rapture. It's like, okay, okay, are we done yet? No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, they're just like, okay. But like having an easeful, a sense of awe, a sense of respect, sense of, yeah, okay, it will just move it, move itself through when it needs to, okay? So PT, rapture, energy, so many different ways it can show up. The fourth one, sukha, bliss. So the way to think of sukha is really it's a sense of, um, it's a sense of um, bliss, that again, there are different ways to experience sukha in the body, um, and um, one way to think of it is, you know, rapture um, PT can be like overwhelming, kind of like this energetic movement. That in some way, I feel like it kind of opens the channels of the energ- energetic channels of the body. I don't even know what they are, but it's kind of like to, to to me, it feels like after the waves have been smoothed out, then sukha is like ah, kind of like a bliss that then can spread throughout the body. So you, so sukha tends to come after uh, piti. Um, one way I usually talk about it, which is relatable. Um, uh, but not very monastic, is, you know, PT, you know, the, the rapturous energy can feel like the, an orgasm, like intense energy throughout the body. It can feel like that, for example. Sukha can be like afterglow. There's a sense of bliss, like, ah, oh, the body is completely relaxed and just the sense of bliss, like, ah, oh, the it's just contentment, bliss throughout the body. It can be experienced like that, and it can be experienced in so many different ways, but just giving you a sense. So, the fifth one, ekagata. Um, different ways people experience that. 
but one-pointedness. It can be experienced, again, this arises on its own. You can't create it, uh, and you can't want it. When the mind is ready, it will drop. It will this will this this will be uh, this will arise. There is a sense of mind is unmoved. Uh, one way it can be experienced. One way, not the only way. One way is like the mind is it's kind of like been hammered, like with a nail. Like it just does not move from the object. It just doesn't. It's like it's so steady. It's the one pointed. It's just there. Like. It doesn't move. Like the, to move it to this thought or that thought, the, the, the mind is very stable. So, so as one practices, there would be like, as, as the mind gets more and more settled, um, these jhanic, the first two, of course, we put in place, and the other three will arise on their own and will, will become perfected. At first, there will be a little bit of PT, and then a lot of PT, and different types of PT, and then we'll get uh, sorted out and kind of evened out, and then sukha can show up a little bit of sukha, and then that kind of matures over time, and then ikagata arises and becomes mature over time. So all of these take a long time to mature, often over days, weeks, and even months for each of these factors to mature, and then. When these factors are really mature and kind of they can be called on um, intentionally and, and they can be called on using resolves when they're mature. May, you know, you're sitting in practice and the, the resolve could be um, may, may PT arise and then eat PT arises when, you know, and so one can call them. Um, like an orchestra, okay, a little more violin, okay, a little more this. Let's. And when they get perfected, when the five jhanic factors, all five of them, are balanced and complete, and really there's a lot of mastery in them coming and going, and then the mind at that point can get absorbed into a state of jhana, where these five factors, it's it's actually a gestalt of these five factors, because these five factors can exist without a jhana, but... There's something about a jhana which is the mind can get drawn into a sense of seclusion, completeness, which is another experience in itself. So it's basically the way these five factors merge together to create a, a sense of re- great stability and peaceful and peacefulness and brightness of the mind. So I'll say a little more and then I'll pause. Um, so jhanas, so there are a total of eight jhanas, four, um, there are four rupa jhanas and four arupa jhanas. Rupa means um, physical body. Um, uh, uh, for, so, but they're usually translated as formed. So there, there are four formless jhanas, the higher jhanas, and there's four um, jhanas, one to four, that I... T- that are typically taught, that are formed jhanas. So, jhanas one through four. Should I continue? Is this too much? No? We're okay? All right. And we're going to take a break at one o'clock or a little before it for lunch, just so you know. Um, so, the first, the first four jhanas... Um, the first jhana, all five factors are present. 
in the second jhana, the first two factors drop off. So vitaka and vichara drop off. So what does that mean? It means there is no effort anymore, sustained application and um, uh, in, initial and sustained application. They just there's just no need for them. The mind is so smooth and just kind of like an idol, uh, that the t- those two just drop. So second jhana doesn't have the first two factors, and what's predominant in the second jhana is piti, sen- rapture, is predominant. Sure. There's still breath awareness. Yeah, there's still awareness. Exactly. It's breath is. um, It's. Yeah. There. There. Yeah. But there is no uh, effort to kind of come back to it. So the second. So the uh, the the third jhana. So, by the way, as, as, uh, uh, jhanas, uh, they keep getting more and more refined. So the first jhana is a little coarser, right? Because there's some, like, uh, 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 you keep, like, it bringing the attention, initial application and sustain. The second one is a little more refined than the first one, because the first two have dropped. The third jhana is more refined than the second one, because now rapture has dropped. Because rapture can be a little coarse, can be a little energetically coarse. Uh, in the body, and and again, we're talking about really refined state of mind. So when I say coarse, this is very subtle. This is very subtle coarse. <laughs> if there's something, yeah. Anyway, um, so the f- the 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 uh, the third jhana, the uh, what's predominant is bliss. In that, it's actually it's a pretty nice jhana to hang out it turns out to be you know it's it's one people can get addicted to because it's so blissful um but it's even coarser than the four the fourth jhana and the fourth jhana bliss drops out because bliss even though it seems like it's really yummy and good it's still a little too coarse it's funny to say that right but it's it is a little coarse because in the fourth one Ah, the factors that are become predominant in the fourth one is ikagata, st- uh, uh, one-pointedness, and equanimity. Equanimity is just predominant. So it's just um, a really, really healing, uh, supportive place to be. So in terms of different definitions of jhana, um, in, for example, in the park definition of jhana at the fourth fourth um, jhana also the breath is supposed to stop um, not in the jhana light so so having practiced so here's a personal story having practiced jhanas and you know my breath would kind of get light very shallow but but maybe it would stop a little bit but then when I was practicing with pox that I was like okay in the fourth jhana your breath is going to stop and I'm like I don't think so. I'm not going to do the fourth jhana. I don't, I don't want to get brain damage really from this practice. I, so, um, so I decided to take a leap of faith, and my breath did stop, and and here I am, and I didn't get any brain damage. I don't. I don't know how to explain any of this. And at some point, actually, um, I I got studied uh, right after one of the retreats I was sitting. Uh, I um, someone Judson Brewer actually. I, I was in his MRI, and 
and with all these sensors and and actually he he measured that my breathing did stop it wasn't that it got so shallow that i couldn't sense it that it actually did stop so cuz sometimes the breathing can get so shallow that you can't sense it but there's time i don't know well, actually that's a good question you can ask him send him an email but it's 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 pretty amazing so so there, yeah yeah but so so the reason why i share this is 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 because there's something there's so much about our bodies we don't understand and we tend to have the um we tend to think like we know everything about our bodies especially as a as a scientist i have to say i have the sense of like oh yeah i know how my body works and science knows we have no clue there are states of states in which this body can operate that are just mind boggling it's just like tra- trapped or how long a few minutes long enough wim hof breathing those 3 minutes no breath good so but that's after training right or not much not much training it's, it's after hyperventilation but there was no hyper i wasn't doing at the vagal tone that you were right right slowed down yeah I think I think that would be interesting but let's take this offline. <laughs> we can take this offline but but anyway so the point is there are many ways in which so so if you do find your breath becoming shallow at any point don't panic it's your body may not need a lot of um oxygen at that point and don't fight it don't try to intentionally breathe deeply um and don't be panicked and kind of just trust the the wisdom of the body for what is needed at that point the wisdom of the body might be okay the breath needs to get a little softer so very quickly about arupa jhanas and then actually i think i'm going to break it a quarter to one for lunch very quickly about arupa jhanas which are the first uh, uh those are arupa jhanas r u p a or formed jhanas and then the other four are rupa a r u p a non uh, formless jhanas so and the reason why they're called formless jhanas is that there is no feeling of the body anymore the feeling of the body drops uh, in the next four jhanas um and those are really refined states of consciousness even they're more refined than the first four and they get um increasingly more and more refined uh um so the f- the name of the the fifth jhana is um uh the state of infinite um infinite space it's it's sorry it's the is the not the it's the base of infinite space Let me just make sure i get that right the base of infinite space base of infinite space where the object of the mind at that point becomes actually infinite space and mind get and the mind can be absorbed in in infinite space the fifth the the sixth jhana is um the base of um infinite consciousness so where the object of absorption is infinite consciousness which is more refined than infinite space um the the s- seventh jhana is the base of 
no thingness. Some people say nothingness, but it's not nothingness. It's no thingness because nothing is still something. But that base is actually the object of the mind is no thing, which is different from nothing, which is a more refined space, uh, state of consciousness than the previous ones. And then the last jhana, the eighth jhana, is the base of neither perception nor non-perception. Now that's a nice name for you. The base of neither perception nor non-perception. So at that point, consciousness has become so gauzy and so refined and so... Gauzy is really the word that comes to mind for me. Is there's neither perception nor non-perception of phenomena. It's very, like very, very, very subtle. Like it's very hard to hang anything, your hat there. But, um, and, and yeah, again, again, the four, the, the, the five through eight, there is no sense of the body. The body has completely dropped out. There is no feeling, uh, perception of the body at all. So, so for, for insight practice, um, for insight practice, again, any level of samadhi is helpful. Any level of samadhi. Oh, uh, uh, before I forget, actually, well, there is also um, uh, access of vipachara samadhi. Am I saying that right? Access concentration. Get the spelling of that one right. I think it's vipachara samadhi. Access concentration is the step. Is you know when we're talking when I was talking about the five jhanic factors kind of being balanced and uh, and but before but without entering a jhana specific. That's upachara samadhi. That's access concentration, where there's there's plenty of access to insight and stability of mind. So. Any level of samadhi, any level of samadhi, is supportive for insight, for for liberation, for freedom, for more stability of stability of the mind, so the mind can see more clearly. Um, if the mind has capacity for cultivating jhanas, jhanas one through four also tend to be enough for the purpose of the path, for the purpose of Vipassana. Um, jhanas 5 through 8 um, are interesting and wisdom-producing because there's such interesting experiences in of their own, like opening your one's mind to different states of consciousness, but um, they're not, they, they are often not used as a basis for Vipassana. It's just not needed. The first four are sufficient. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to pause. There's more I can say, but I feel like I've whew, given a lot of content. Like hands popping up, please. Yeah, over there, and then we'll come back here in a moment. Explain. Oh, I I need clarity and understanding for the basis of Vipassana. Yeah. Because I feel like I left yesterday and last night I had 
really wonderful kind of, I was just super creative and had some real, I was, my whole family was gone, which was also wonderful, my teenagers. So I had, you know, I journaled and I had these great insights. And then I thought like, well, and I, that idea of, um, surrendering and, oh no, I'm trusting that the, the thoughts will come to you later was really powerful for me. So then I was understanding, well, why do you even need Vipassana? Like, why do you even, if it's going to just come to you later from this practice? So I guess I'm just trying to understand. Right, right. Exactly. Great. I so appreciate you asking this. How, um, and this is such a good question that comes up. Like, is this, isn't this enough? Isn't this practice enough? Um, So, no. It's not. And let me say why. So um, I'll give two quick answers. One is the historical answer and then the practical answer. So the historical answer is from the Buddha. So he studied actually uh, samadhi, samatha, with the masters of his time. There was no vipassana at the time. So he practiced the eighth jhanas and went up and down them and left and right. And they said, this is it. This is the path to liberation. So he studied and perfected them. And he's like, mm, no, they're still suffering. This this is not the path. And in many other yogic traditions, for example, if any of you have practiced, what is it called? Uh, um, uh, the, you get you get a mantra, you pay for a mantra. What is that? TM. Yeah, it's like you know they're very so they're very different. Many traditions that are basically samatha practice. Like you know, here we are the breath. That's with the sound, with the word. Like it's just like thoughts away, and the mind gets very still, very calm, very concentrated. It's all awesome. It's sweet, uh, but the. Uh, it's class- classically it said that all the hindrances are at bay. They're not gone. Mm-hmm. They're just hanging out there like, mm, you, you enjoy your calm, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, yeah. you kind of enjoy your calm and then you come out of it and your ill will and your all of that will just come rushing back. Mm-hmm. Whereas the practice of Vipassana, which really is about seeing the three characteristics, as I said yesterday, seeing anicca, seeing impermanence, seeing dukkha, seeing unsatisfactoriness, and seeing impersonality of of phenomena. When mind really penetrates to that, sees that, then something lets go. You take life less personally. Could you hold it closer, please? The thoughts, just not taking my thoughts so seriously. Yes. So, you know, just that was really like, you know, why am I, why? So that, this is powerful for that, for me. Yes, great, which is fantastic. So, so the way I take that is when you're doing this practice, actually, it's allowing you more wisdom to see your thoughts more clearly. Yay. But not during it. I always thought, you know, that I'm supposed to Uh kind of... practice right. as opposed to I don't know <laughs> trying to figure it out yeah yeah but what you're saying is that really it was afterwards yeah that perfect beautiful in fact I'm going to draw a parallel to practicing to what you're describing which is you had a state of samadhi yesterday and then you came kind of out of it and you had more clarity more insight mm-hmm. through your life right perfect that's it 
And the parallel I'm going to draw is when one is practicing jhanas, for example, with my teacher Park Saida, you know, like the instruction would be, okay, enter the fourth jhana, now come out of it and investigate phenomena through the lens of three characteristics. You don't do it from inside, but you use the power of the mind being stable to do investigation. Exactly what you did. Beautiful. I saw more hands shoot up. Oh, so that was the historical, and the pragmatic was that it's actually, it's not um, sufficient, it's not sufficient on its own to to produce liberating wisdom. It just puts puts all the, the, the three poisonous roots, puts them at bay, like the kitchen that calms them while you're in it, but then when you come out, they're still there. So that's the practical. And yeah, well, one can see that in one's own practice too. Okay, so other hands, any other clarifying? Yes, oh please, sorry, I forgot. I'm going to see if I can put this into words. Um, yesterday I was feeling a lot of bliss, and then it kind of gave way to... Um, I mean, I think it was equanimity. It was just kind of this detachment. Mm -hmm. Today, um, it's feeling a little more... um, Like I'm feeling some of the activation, like the um, kind of energy kind of moving around. And there's... there's, How do I put this into words? Um, What you're describing with... In the answer to the the last question, question was great that being able to go into the states and then come out of them. I'm having this sense of like right now. It's like oh, I think it's harder to let go. Yeah. And really, like today, it's harder to feel the bliss because it's like, oh well, that's just passing phenomena. Yeah. Even along this like jhana journey, don't get attached to any yes. of these like sensations. Yes. But it. I don't know. Is that making? Is yeah. That making sense? So, so let me see. As I track you, let me. I'll say a few things, and please correct me. We'll figure it out together. Uh, so, what I'm hearing is is kind of a shift. In yesterday, there was a lot of bliss. Today, there seems to be um, maybe more equanimity. You say, or or also a sense of kind of detachment away. So, so I don't know if that's detachment or lack of attachment. So we can explore that to see if it's uh, what. If, if it has an edge there. And then kind of an energetic, like maybe more pity, like energy moving through. And maybe you're also picking up something it's it's more difficult to let go today of of these states. There's you're noticing more attachment to the state, wanting to be in this state. Is that what you're saying? So help me out. Let's let's tell me. Yeah, no, great. I'm like not wanting to go into like like, as you're describing some of the jhanas, I'm yeah. like, well, the whole idea is to not get attached to any of this. Right, right, yeah. And so there's, it's, like, kind of hard to let go into it. Oh. Like, oh, the other like way I'm feeling around. A little, I feel like I'm going a little more into de- oh, detachment. Oh, I see. Because I'm like, pushing well, just away. Don't, get, don't get lost in any oh, of this. Don't get I lost see. in the bliss. Don't get lost in, like, the activation. Got it. I is see. That, yeah, and so I'm just being with that because I'm just noticing it feels like a little bit of resistance. Yeah. But I'm just like trying not to do anything at the I same see. time. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, great. So let's, I appreciate this. So I'm going to say something and then I'll ask you a question. 
if that's okay. One is um, the Buddha taught the jhanas and emphasized them, stressed them. So there is a lot of bliss. There is a lot of goodness in them. There are, they are nurturing. They are very nurturing. This, and let me not just say jhanas. Let me just say samadhi. Let me make it more, let me make it bigger actually, which is what we're doing here. States of, of samadhi are very nurturing, healing. The calm, the bliss, the ease that comes. So if it comes your way, enjoy. Um, you know, my teacher used to say when, when there were difficulties and rockiness on the path and like seeing phenomena, like all dissolve, and he would be like, ah, and he would say, go back to the fort go back to the fort. Fort would be fort, like fortify, like go and nourish yourself back into the jhanas. Like go nourish yourself because when you come back out, you have work to do, like inside work to do, right? So think of states of samadhi as nourishing, as a way to nourish yourself, your heart and mind. So not to avoid them. The thing that I think the the warning is be aware of the attachment that come up. So, so again, it becomes a practice. How to enjoy the nourishment and kind of see if, if the mind is getting attached. And if the mind is getting attached, that's fine too. Like, don't flagellate yourself. Say, oh, look at that. I'm really getting attached there. Okay, sweetie, that's what's happening today. Okay. Right? Awareness. No matter what. Friendliness with all experience. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, great. Okay, it's two minutes to one, and I think... Oh, it's one. And I think it's time to stop. So before we... I have one more instruction for lunch. And the instruction is to please let go of all the stuff you heard let it percolate. There is, it's, it, my hope was an exposure. And now you can just let it go because the tendency now could be like going and thinking about this and what about this John and that John and can I do this? Let it go. Let it go. Just practice. Just practice. Being with the breath. Moving your awareness far further down into your body, into your belly, just breathing, just enjoying your lunch, just being in nature, just taking a walk, just being right here, right now. As you do the, all the preparatory preparation and as you do sustained, um, as you do ap- initial application and sustained application, the rest will find you in due time. Now you know the map. Now you can roll the map and put it away. Forget it. Really, please roll up the map and put it away. And just come back to practice. Just come back to practice. Just the simplicity of this moment, the deliciousness of your lunch, the warmth of the sun on your face. Right here, right now. That's the nourishing that's the part that can feed you and nourish you. Can we have a handshake? <laughs> a virtual handshake? Great. 
Okay, enjoy your lunch and let's come back at 2 o'clock for more practice.
Actually, before we start, I'd like to welcome all of you back, but not welcome any ticks that might have come back on your pant legs or anything. So let's just, as a community, take just a moment to check your pant leg, check your clothes. Maybe even check your legs. And your head. That's true. Not to scare people, but they can fall off the trees, I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, So, yeah, just take a moment of tick awareness. Friendliness with ticks. We're friendly with you, but we're going to invite you to get off our bodies and go outside. Off our clothes. Okay, welcome back. How are you feeling right now? What's in the room? Quiet and full. What else is in the room? Exhilarated. Relaxed. Joy. There was something. Beauty. Acceptance. Open and unconditional, lovely. What else? Tired, did you say? Tolerant. Tired was me. Tired. (laughs) (laughs) Tolerant. (laughs) Tolerant, nice. What else? Ah, great. So... So for our afternoon together, um, here is the plan. I would like us to have another stretch of practice together because those have been delicious as we've had them, uh, going from sitting into walking, back into sitting, exploring. And I'll give you a couple of extra things to explore today. And right now, because it's right after lunch, um, the two o'clock time frame, I'm going to do a little bit of talking to, again to try to bring the energy up. Um, and then we'll go into meditation. And again, please, if you find yourself getting sleepy, it's normal, it's the witching hour, please stand up, do standing meditation. I might do that also. So... <clears throat> What I'd like to share in in terms of an invitation for you to experiment with practicing this afternoon, I'd like to share um, the guided instructions from Paul Ak So that's how he 
invites practice, how he teaches practicing samadhi. And, and um, it's not for everyone. So I will, I kind of wait until a little later until we have some momentum and, and some, um, you know, some, some ease because I think attending to the breath and the body and in the belly is much more spacious and much more, um, much more amenable to mind calming. So the shift now is again, so the shift will be to what's called the anapana spot, which is right here. It's under the nose. So it's this whole area could be the anapana spot to feel the breath at. So upper lip area below the nostrils, this area is the anapana spot. So this works well for some people. For some other people, it gets them very tight and just uh, constrained and 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 so if so you're welcome to experiment with this spot if you wish and then if you decide not now maybe in a few months or years i'll come back to it that's perfectly fine and if you experiment with it and you really take to it then feel free to continue to practice with it so i'll let you be your own guide i'll share the instructions and you do whatever you wish with it depending on your own inner wisdom what's right for you right now in your life what is appropriate for your practice at this stage okay so so the attention will be here feeling the um feeling the breath at this space the rush of cool air going in, the warmth of the air coming out, and it can feel like, almost like a, um, and it's not moving, you're not, definitely not following the breath going in, that's a no-no, you're just following it outside, right, if you choose, again, all of this is if you choose to, um, right up here, um, not following the breath inside the nostrils, and at first, it can be very difficult to feel the breath up here because it's very sensitive. Um, it's, or the breath can be very, um, or the breath can be not so sensed, and this area hasn't quite developed the sensitivity yet. Um, so, a trick that I can offer you is you can wet using a little bit of saliva. You can wet this area a little bit. Ah, and then you'll sense, you'll feel the breath much more readily, much more easily. If you have mustaches, it's a lot more difficult, this practice. I've, I've had people actually shave their mustaches to do this practice. I know, exactly. Not in drastic measures, but just to let you know. Uh, it could be more difficult, but, but you know, try it on for size. Your experience, your mileage might vary. Um, and then you can, can also... Um, Another thing to keep in mind is this is the area where the breath dances. So it's, you're not following the breath going in and out. It's where, it's like the breath is, is it's as if you had a silk scarf. The silk scarf being the breath is kind of, the breath was being um, kind of moved across the space. Like, well, I, guess, I guess the breath, the silk scarf would be this way. But kind of this is the point where that rubbing happens. So you stay at this point. You don't follow the breath. 
those are those are the instructions. And what else do I want to say if you want to ex- explore this? Um, another scaffold that you're invited to use, if you wish, <clears throat> is um, you are welcome to use counting if it helps you. Um, counting up to... Eight or ten, let's say ten, counting up to ten breaths and then counting up to ten again. So the way you would count is in breath, out breath, one. In breath, out breath, two. In breath, out breath, three. So the count would be after the out breath. And the count will be very subtle. Really, it's just like a scaffold. It's, it's, it's a support that you can use. And when the mind gets more stable, the count will automatically drop on its own. And you, you'll, you'll feel too heavy to keep counting. And I don't suggest doing counting up to 100 or any crazy number or counting backwards. Some people do that, but that's too much mental acrobatics. You want to keep it extremely simple and just really stay with the sensations of the breath here. Or again, the whole body, your belly, if that's working for you and you're kind of new to this practice, hang in there. Just stay there. It's, it's really good. See what's appropriate for your life right now, for your practice right now. So, um, there's a couple of other things I want to share. I think I'll wait. All right, I think that's enough for now. And the other two pieces I will share with you while we're meditating so you can experiment with it. Before we start meditating, um, any clarifying questions uh, about the instructions, about your practice this morning or this afternoon so far? Anything that would support you? Especially if you haven't spoken before and it's kind of like, oh, wondering. Yes, please. So um, you mentioned that there's two kind of practices, or at least two practices of uh, Vipassana, the dry and the the non-dry. Yeah. And in the suttas, it seems like every description of... Uh, meditation involves going through the jhanas. Yes. I'm wondering which, you also mentioned various jhana light or the pawak uh, form of sort of intense jhana. I'm I'm wondering which of those kind of applies to the uh, descriptions in the suttas. Yeah, yeah. So I'll try to be brief and, and what you're asking can be topic of various debates and books and lots of scholars going back and forth. So with respect to that, what seems to kind of be the consensus perhaps is, well, maybe it's not of a consensus, actually, as I think about it more. Anyway, but I'll share with you, um, it seems like the definition of jhanas might have changed um, from the suttas to the commentaries later, which is the Visuddhimagga. And um, it is possible that the definition of jhana has become a lot more deeper, a lot more, um, yeah. Um, So 
it is absolutely true that when you look at the the suttas, you see jhanas. In fact, I did a search in uh, Majjhima Nikaya. The word jhana showed up. Um, was only second to the number of times I think Buddha and Dharma showed up, or something like that. It, it was amazing how many times John has showed up. So yes, um, and the def- and then when you read the Visuddhimagga, the definition of John seems to be really deep. Like you don't hear anything. It's like whoa. That whereas the suttas we don't see those descriptions. Um, it seems it could have been a lighter. Um, description. So, again, uh, so I offer this for you. Um, maybe that's why it shows up everywhere. And maybe when I see John is there, I think of some level of samadhi is needed before insight. That's how I interpret it. If I keep the word jhana for the depth of experience, that's definitely not needed. Absolutely not needed. But some level of samadhi is absolutely needed. And what is that level? Upachara samadhi, a little less, a little more. I don't know. But definitely dry vipassana works. And that works with upachara samadhi, neighborhood concentration. Does that help? Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so since since I have a, some hair here and I'm not going to just make a little spot for the Anapati spot, a new a new tonsorial style. Um, could you talk about the logic that there is a spot? Because one could then perhaps generalize to finding a location to attend mm. that right. is another place yeah. that still is constrained in some way. Right, yeah. Like, what's the magic? What's the magic of the spot? Um, so... So th- what the, and that refers to a question that I tabled, which was asked earlier this morning and said I would come back to later. It makes a difference between the two ways of entering the, the jhanas and the different levels. So um, given that this spot tends to be, needs more attention, needs more attenuated, more refined awareness, over time to work with. Okay. And I don't know about other spots, like if you choose one spot which is really refined, that I don't have any experience with that, I cannot speak to that at all. But what I can speak to about choosing a refined spot, a, a limited spot, which is more kind of takes more effort perhaps, more engagement to work with. It it tends to collect the mind even more tends to collect the mind even more, the, this, um, this compared to the whole body. And then the experience that can happen um, with this particular spot, again, for some people, if given the proclivity of the mind, um, what can show up is what's called a nimitta. A nimitta is, is kind of like a, a whitish... Um, light that just kind of shows up and is basically it's it's known as the countersign of the breath. It's basically a manifestation of the breath as a light in the mind that you can't create. Just kind of comes up, goes, comes up, 
goes, comes up. And at some point in this practice, you can't make it happen. Don't try to make it happen. It can merge with the sensation of the breath, with the breath itself. And then there is no difference between the nimitta, which is the countersign of the breath, which is this visual visualiz- visu- visual sign that comes, a visualization, and the sensation of the breath. And the mind makes them one to one thing. And the absorption that can happen with the use of nimitta is much deeper because it's a concept at that point. It's not a sensation anymore. It it changes. It's it's a and it's a oh, exactly. That's another conversation. I'm not going to go there right now. But just to give you a sense of how this is different, and it's a much yeah. That's the conceptuality conversation. It so is, and it. I'm not going to open we're the done. can no of worms right now. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. The two days is not enough. So, burning question. Okay, last one. Very quick. Yeah, just tell me if it's not time to answer. Sure. Question. Yeah. Um, when I focus on my breath, not using this method. Yeah. Um, uh, there's uh, the in-between when you finish exhaling and yeah. there's kind of a moment or so there before right. the inhale rises. Yeah. And it's a, uh, a bit of a gap. Like yes, there's not something right, to, right. Yeah. There's not a sensation to pay attention sure, to at that sure, moment. Sure, that's great. And you pay attention to the gap. Okay. That's, that's exactly right. In fact, I might, that's one of the things I might cover later today, okay. which is um, eight-part breathing. Ah, so much to do, so little time. All right. So if you're feeling sleepy, please get up and do standing meditation. In fact, I'm going to model so you don't feel shy. No reason to feel shy anyway. But we're going to start a period of practice now. Making yourself comfortable, sitting or standing, whatever it might be for you. Ah. Moving your body a little bit before you get settled. <sighs> and settling, relaxing into this body, receiving the breath. Allowing the breath to move in and out and decide what is appropriate for you right now. If you'd like to stay with feeling the breath in the belly, the abdomen, the whole body, or rather the abdomen or the whole body, or the anapana spot as described, you can make a choice to experiment with any of them. There is no right or wrong. It's just what's appropriate for you right now in this moment. And it can change later. Same way as before, setting up the preliminaries. 
Relaxing the body. As much as possible, relaxing your forehead, especially. Relaxing your face. Jaw, your upper body, your hands, your belly, sit bones, legs and feet. Drip, drip, drip as if you're a block of ice, relaxing, letting your body melt. And remembering vitaka and vichara with a sense of gentle perseverance, gentle perseverance with vitaka and vichara, initial application and sustained application, connecting with the sensation of the breath. following it, staying with it, letting your attention, your awareness touch, touch it the same way. Simile of rubbing the bowl, cleaning, rubbing, rubbing, continuing to rub the bowl. Let your attention rub your breath. Again, it can be a receiving, could be a gentle rub. It's not harsh, but it's sustained. It's sustained, it's gentle, persevering, sustained. And whenever your attention falls off the breath, vitaka again, connect again, and again and again.
the support of counting can be helpful. You can count up to ten, then up to ten again, ever so gently. Emphasis being on the sensation and the volume on your counting internally turned down to one out of ten. And if not needed, staying with what is supportive. Sure, if you have decided to experiment with the anapana spot, that you're not getting too tight. You're not straining, trying to concentrate with your forehead, with your head. Still, your body needs to be relaxed Still, the center of gravity needs to be down, low, in your body, embodied. Still, your breath needs to be smooth and free, enjoying with ease. It's just that the butterfly of attention now is not resting on your belly, but resting below your nose. That's the only difference. Everything else stays the same. Relax your body if you notice you're getting tight. Receive. Enjoy.
precious gift to be able to sit and practice.
find you're getting too serious, please wear a smile while you practice.
Notice if anywhere in your body there is tension and tightness. Let that be your guide to adjust your practice towards more simplicity and relaxation. In a moment, I will ring the bell once. And my invitation is that we all seamlessly transition from practicing in this hall sitting to practicing walking outside. You wish to experiment with the Anapana spot. Your attention continues to be there while walking. And if you like to continue with feeling, sensing the breath and the belly or the whole body, please continue to establish samadhi using that practice.
drop in one more invitation. This is an instruction from the suttas. Breathing in long, one understands, I breathe in long. Breathing out long, one understands, I breathe out long. Breathing in short, one understands, I breathe in short. Breathing out short, one understands, I breathe out short. Basically, this instruction invites invites us to bring awareness. The length of the breath, the entire length of the in-breath, length of the out-breath, recognizing, being aware if it's short or long, not judging, not wanting it to be any different than it is, simply noticing Short or long in-breath, short or long out-breath. See if this distinction can be supportive to you. And if not, don't worry about it. We will walk for 30 minutes. We'll be back at 3.15.
We'll seamlessly move into a period of sitting, and I'll share some more instructions. A few minutes. Relaxing, letting go, receiving. Remember, not now is available to you. Not now, dear friend. Not now, dear friend. Also counting the breaths. 
share so that we can practice with during this meditation. The next instruction for refining, for helping to refine our awareness, our attention with the breath. First instruction I shared the previous session was about noticing the in breath and the out breath are long or short. That is similar to if you see someone you don't know from far away. You kind of get a sense of, is this a tall person or a short person? The first level of getting to know them, not very intimate yet, not very close. Are they tall or are they short? Is the breath long or short? Each in-breath, each out-breath. Building up the knowing, the intimacy. The next instruction, first I read the suttas and then I unpack one version of it, one interpretation for our practice. Experiencing the whole breath body, I shall breathe in. Thus one trains, experiencing the whole breath body shall breathe out, thus one trains. Experiencing the whole breath body, not just looking at it from a bit of a distance, but really the experiencing the whole breath body. It's like the person who's now entered the room, now you're becoming more intimate with them giving them a hug, their whole breath body, kind of feeling them closer. Ways to experience and practice with this. One way is what's called eight-part breathing practice. Which means bringing our awareness Every part of the breath, the whole breath, sharpening our awareness. First part of the breath is the beginning of the in-breath. See if you can feel, if you can emphasize the beginning of the in-breath. Catch it when it starts. Beginning of the in-breath, just catch it. You can be doing this practice, by the way, whether it's the whole body breathing, your belly, or spot. They all work slightly differently, but they all work.
beginning of the in-breath. See if you can catch it. Become aware of it. Both in time and space. In the Pana spot, the space is more difficult, but with belly breathing the space, you can might be able to feel also, not just the time, the physicality of it. Just starts to fill with air. And relax. If you notice you're getting tight, receive the sensations. Now, the middle of the in-breath only, bringing awareness to that part. not precise, it's okay. Don't get too tight. Just do your best to be aware. And now the end, the end of the in-breath. For the pause. Diaphragm is filled with air. Now, bringing attention, your awareness to highlight as if a yellow highlighter the pause between the in-breath and the out-breath. Now the beginning of the out-breath. Lighting that alone.
Now highlighting the middle of the out-breath, middle part of the out-breath. And now the end, the last part of the out-breath before the pause, the end of the out-breath. Now the pause between the out-breath and the in-breath. Now the in-breath, beginning of the in-breath again. Highlighting that part alone. Now, highlighting both the beginning and the middle of the in-breath together. And now, bringing your awareness to the beginning, middle, and end of the in-breath. Now, 
all the distinct parts of the in-breath, beginning, middle, end, and the pause between the in and the out-breath. Adding in the beginning of the out-breath. Now adding the middle of the out-breath. Adding the end of the outbreath. And finally, the eighth part the pause between the outbreath and the inbreath. Continuing on your own, aware of each part of the breath. This practice can support vichara, sustained application, staying with the entire breath. And if it feels too much or overwhelming, you can let it go and just simplify. That's fine too. Or just highlight whatever parts of the breath that's easiest for you and most accessible.
As I ring the bell in a moment, we'll transition seamlessly again to a walking period. And you're welcome to explore any of these practices or just keep it simple. Walking in nature, enjoying, feeling, sensing your breath in your body or your belly. We'll walk for 30 minutes and seamlessly return for another short sit and then the closing reflections. Come back at 420. Enjoy this period of practice. It's your time. Make the best of it.
As we seamlessly transition from walking to sitting, See what is most supportive for you as a practice right now. As we bring our practice to completion, as we'll sit together for another 10 minutes or so, just see what is needed and, and feel the accumulation these extended periods of sitting and walking in silence. Being your own Dharma guide.
And for the last few minutes of our practice together in this period, I'd like to invite you to bring loving kindness, metta, friendliness, appreciation to yourself, for yourself, as you've been practicing. Maybe even if it feels right for you, putting a hand in the middle of your chest, your heart center, as you're feeling your breath, just appreciating, appreciating yourself. Appreciating yourself for having brought yourself out this weekend, for having practiced to the best of your ability, hanging in here until now with all the ups and downs, all the challenges. Practice is not easy. Just appreciating yourself with care, with love, with affection. Appreciating your breath. Appreciating everything that is you, all the causes and conditions that have contributed to this package that is called you. Appreciation for all of those, pleasant, unpleasant, positive, not positive, all the challenges throughout your life perhaps that have brought you here and all the blessings too. Friendliness with everything. Friendliness with everything. Your breath, your body, your heart, everything. As you breathe, as you Receive your breath, receiving it with love, with appreciation, as much as it's available to you right now. Bring a sense of love and appreciation. Imbue your breath, imbue your experience. Engulf you, be all around you. Holding you.
and extending that appreciation, that sense of goodwill from yourself, extending it out to everyone in this room. It's practiced with you this weekend, supported you with their sitting and walking, their presence, with their questions, with their reflections, sharing of themselves, really appreciating that we have all co-created this retreat together. Thanking everyone for their contributions as well as your own for bringing yourself here. Creating, co-creating goodness, co-creating goodness in the world. Appreciating, appreciating. friends, feels like we have traveled far and wide over the past couple of days. So, we talked about the supportive factors, the preparatory kind of till what helps till the soil for samadhi, for cultivating samadhi. We talked about, there's a sheet here I had, yes, yesterday we talked about the difference between, so I'm going to do a quick review, we talked about why, why practice samadhi anyway, what's the goal of it, why the heck spend the whole weekend or, or weeks and months doing this thing anyway, what's the point of it, and we also talked along the ways about both the gifts, the fruits, the, the beauty of the practice, as well as the potential pitfalls and also talked about the relationship between samatha and vipassana and the arising of insight. We talked about that yesterday a lot. We described various techniques. I've shared techniques of attending to the breath in the belly, anapanasati here, anapana spot here, and the refining. And today I shared refining different levels of of attention with the breath, noticing if the breath is short or long, in-breath, out-breath, short or long. And then a further refinement on that is eight-part breathing, which is one manifestation, one way to practice with the whole breath body. There are different ways to practice that, but longer retreat. Um, another, another thing we... Um, discussed yesterday was um, was listening, deep listening, listening with your whole body, listening, both really listening, listening to me, listening to each other, listening to yourself, and taking listening 
um, as synonymous for listening for the breath, listening, like listening with your whole body, like feeling the breath synonymously, feeling, listening, really deep listening in those ways. And samadhi, stillness of mind, allows a level of stability for deeper listening to yourself, to others, deeper connection. Today we talked about um, jhanas, rupa jhanas and arupa jhanas, formed and formless jhanas. We talked about the jhana, and, and also talked about um, about access concentration, also neighborhood concentration. Access and neighborhood are used synonymously. Upachara samadhi. I think earlier I might have mistakenly said vipachara samadhi, but it's upachara samadhi. Upachara samadhi, access concentration, which is the precursor to, to the jhanas. We talked about different levels of samadhi, um, different ways that it's defined, the different depths. We talked about the jhanic factors. And the most important two that you put in place is vitaka and vichara, and the other that uh, arise on their own. And not to be scared or not to be thrilled about any of thing, enough any of these markers in the territory that arise and help the mind to settle more deeply into a state of calm and and ease and bliss that can be really supportive um, on this path. And when I say this path, actually, I want to to not. I'm not just referring to the Buddhist path. I'm referring to our path of being human, being human, growing, living. Uh, growing old, dying, it's just being human. And I think developing this practice, which Buddhism does not have hegemony over. This practice has been practiced for thousands of years before the Buddha discovered it, actually, this practice of samadhi. He actually said, the Buddha, great guy, he, you know, he said, hey, it's like I went to a forest and there were these ancient relics that were covered over with with overgrowth, and I discovered what was already built before me. So he was a pretty, um, non obviously, as you would expect, non-egotistic guy. You know, he give credit to, to the predecessors who had developed these practices. So, so when I refer to this practice of samadhi, the calming of the mind, it's in many different traditions. It's in the Christian tradition. It's in the yogic tradition. It's in the Muslim tradition. There's so many different traditions that have the calming of the mind, the settling of the mind, because it is nourishing. It can be supportive to being human, having a calm mind to see more clearly into the nature of your humanity and what is up and supporting you in your in your path of being human, flourishing whatever in whatever you need to flourish and and live fully. So so it is my hope that whatever has been offered this weekend has been of some support on your path, on your exploration. Whether the tools experiences you might have had this weekend, anything, that there's something you can take home to to um, to nourish you for your path. And I'd like to pause now and open the floor up for any questions uh, about your practice. Yes, please. And Mike is coming your way. I'm just curious about um, any 
sort of practical recommendations for practicing samadhi? Yeah, yeah, practical recommendations. So, um, so you can practice this. You can choose to practice uh, samatha meditation. Um, you can choose to practice it um, for for a few minutes before you practice vipassana during the day, if you wanted to. Like, you know, say if you sit thirty minutes a day, maybe spend ten minutes before vipassana, or you, or you might decide you're just going to do this for a while. I'm going to do this for a few weeks or a few months. That's fine too. So see what you're called to do. There's no right or wrong. No right or wrong. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Which is the same thing, by the way, actually, uh, it's the same thing I would say about metta practice. And for some people, actually, practicing samadhi, metta might be a better object not anapanasati, the the mindfulness of the breath. Um, And you can experiment with that. And um, metta, so so for me personally, I took, you know, I've sat, I've done months of metta practice and Brahma Viharas, the four four practices of the heart. But also I took about a year of my practice and just dedicated it to metta and compassion practice. Uh, for various reasons, and and again, knowing that metta practice is a concentration practice because you're staying with one object, especially if you stay with one person. So that's probably another day long, or another weekend. But um, just so you know, that's another option too for practicing. Yeah. What else? Questions, comments, please. Just a couple things. I um, I have an electric car, and I was plugging it in, and I thought I'm just really grateful for this weekend because the breath reminds me that I'm just like my car, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to receive the breath, I felt like I oxygenated every cell in my body, mm-hmm. and. I have to treat myself like my car, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and really plug in. And I think I really love the word receive because I feel that's our naturally who we are, what we are, um, you know, because we're energy. And I just really value that word to remind right. that pointer because that's how the energy comes in and... And then the second thing I um, today was really powerful because I feel like um, I wanted to bring up the word anxiety in the body mm. and a lot of, like I get that too, that almost trembling, um, what's the word, vibration, um, I'm super sensitive um, and and my son, he's in the hospital, so mm. I've been really grateful um, to rest here. Mm. Uh, but I wanted to share, mm. Mm. when my mind freed today, mm. I spent a couple years in silence, so I don't study like things or name them samadhi or anything, <laughs> but... Um, I was just grateful for the pointer because I could feel what the mind could call anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
and then that frees. Like I'm not really um, landing on thoughts. Um, and the best way I can describe it is in it's almost as if I explode. Like there's a firework, like an explosion. It almost breaks through my skin almost, mm. when it's not called anxiety, mm. and I really, I really, I share this often because I feel anxiety and fear is the mind, mm. and uh, and when every time I free from that label and describing, I just notice the samadhi for me opens up, and I, you call it orgasmic, or it just all of a sudden I. Uh, it reminds me of Byron Katie has a line, if you knew who you were, you would explode into a zillion pieces of mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. felt like that your gentleness and your voice and your kindness relax my mind to free me from, you know, worry, fear, <laughs> all the labels a mother can have to make sure her mm-hmm. son's okay or survives. And then the whole energy body just frees open. Mm. And so I'm just really grateful to mm. have been able to land here and mm. and feel what it feels like is bursting open in love. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like this divine mother love that mm. you just can't even contain. <laughs> mm. um, so... Um, and then it came down, and then it went back into, I guess you call it Vipassana. Or, mm-hmm. And I could see my neck all of a sudden got so tight, and that controlling energy of life. So it was really beautiful to just go into my neck and just, I, I just completely... Um, I don't know, I guess free, the energy mm. relaxes there and just mm. to let go. Then you said let go. <laughs> I just felt every time you had a word, I'm like, oh, that's that's what's happening. I'm just freeing control energy. And so thank you, dear. I feel like a homeopathic remedy coming here at this time. And um, yeah, and I just, if you had anything to comment on that, you know, the mind calling anything anxiety. I just, describing labels, I feel, can get, the mind tries the best it can to say what's happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I just often feel it's trying to, but to me it's mm-hmm. just full-on love, ultimately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I notice fear just seems to shift into just full-on love and yeah. I relax again. Yeah. Or yeah. I, I'm calling it love, but it's more—it's an energy. It's yeah. the heart bursting open. <sighs> yeah. It's recognizing your own capacity. <laughs> just tapping into the capacity that's already there. Yeah. It's already here. Everything yeah. you need is already here. The stability, the love, yeah. the care, the expansion... It's all already here. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm hearing from you, and and mm-hmm. and, the, and practicing and kind of allows you to ah, it's already here. It's not so far away. It's not yeah. getting something. It's actually recognizing. Yeah. It's like shifting. Like oh yeah, it becomes available, and yeah. it's the shift of the perspective is the the adverting the mind mm-hmm. to what's already there, and the um, and 
and seeing clearly like oh yeah it's the anxiety and yes and there's plenty of peace here too mm. there's an ocean of peace and love here that can completely hold this and contain this mm. doesn't have to get rid of and push it away it's not oh this is part of human experience also of course mm. my son is in the hospital and yeah. and this is difficult and it's it's a whole lot more than just what's happening here. there's so, there's a whole lot more here yeah, it's it's the, it's the fullness of your humanity, it's the mm-hmm. fullness of every person sitting on this chair, mm-hmm. and just and so what you say is really it it's um, it it beautifully highlights that and how it for me it connects with this practice is is when we calm down when we are just with the breath we're nourishing with the breath it's like oh yeah, we get to see, it goes deeper. We, mm. we kind of see this wellspring of well-being that's mm. available. Like, oh my goodness, mm. it's not just the anxiety or this or this. Like, wow, you're just taking the time to calm. You might take the time, not now, not now. You don't have to do that a million times. And then it's like, wait a minute, the trap door mm. opens. And it's like, wow, mm. it's lovely. It's a mm. spring under. Mm. Beautiful. So I see a lotus opening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. does. I feel through this. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I embodied home. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So. You are home. Yeah. You're always I know. home. It's, it's always just recognizing. Home. <laughs> it's all, you're always home. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Thank, thank you. you thank you. Thank you so much for, for being circle. here. Yeah. Delighted you're yeah. here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks thank for you. all the reflections. Yeah. Mm. In the front, right here. I'm curious to hear a bit more about um, how you compare mindfulness versus mindlessness relative to the forms versus formless joys. Um, It sounds like there's an element of control that you have over the form joys in which it's an emergent phenomena, right? You have control over maybe two things. Everything else emerges from it. But... But I was I was very confused at the idea of a formless joy. It's formless jhana. Right, right, right. But is that not analogous? Like the blisses? It's like a for, it's different forms of joys, aren't they? No, 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 totally no, no. Yeah, yeah, very different. Yeah. So I I do hear the confusion in your question, and I think there are different things that have been morphed into each other. Yeah. So let me clarify very quickly. So. There are jhanas, not joys, jhana, which are state of deep samadhi, deep absorption. Okay? You with me so far? Mm. Okay. The first four jhanas, the first four states of samadhi, those states are called form jhanas because there's this feeling of the body still while you're experiencing them. Mm. The next four are called formless because there is no feeling of the body. The body has dropped out. That's why they're calling called formless. They're not mindless at all. The mm-hmm. mind is very bright and present. So for me, I don't see a relationship between mindfulness and mindlessness. That's kind of like being checked out. Right. That, has, that doesn't have to do with the the states of concentration and jhanas. Does that clarify the confusion? It, it does. And I guess I had a sense of that already because you mentioned earlier on people's desire to stay hooked or addicted on some of the like the, the factors that built into that, like the, the bliss, the, uh-huh. the pity, I think it was, or pity, P- I can't say P- it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that clarifies it. 
Thank you. Does it clarify? So does it also clarify the, the getting hooked? Because the getting hooked is to the states of the all the jhanas because they're so blissful, all of them. Correct. So it's not just a jhanic factors. And I think that's why I call them joys in my head, right? Because they all have elements of oh, blissfulness, right? So yeah. I wasn't confusing the word. I understood that. I just shorthand in my head was like they're different joys. Oh, there's form yeah. joys and there's formless joys. I wouldn't yeah. do that but shorthand. Understood. I wouldn't. Understood. I wouldn't do that because um, joy is a constituent and there's a whole lot more. And if you shorthand that in your mind, um, it it the simplification... Too, too much simplification that can actually not serve you in the long term. Thank you. Next to you. So how would you uh, describe or explain the difference between joy and bliss? Um, very different, practically speaking. So joy is a translation of PT. Okay, so let me use the the Pali words because the English words are not very good. It's so piti, p-i-t-i with a long i. Piti can be translated as joy or as rapture. Okay, it's one of the factors, and it's kind of like bubbly joy. It's like delight. It's kind of bubbly, right? Bliss is the translation of sukha. Is more ah kind of bliss, contentment. There's no bubbliness in it. Mm. It's it, they're, they, they're, they're different. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Right behind you. Yeah. Um, I think I'm still um, not clear on the eighth supportive factor. And, uh, and I come back to that and say yeah. that in my practice this weekend, yeah. I found that um, in the afternoons, mm-hmm. well, in the early, early parts of the day, I felt um, that I was having kind of a good quality of sustained um, concentration, mm-hmm. um, but in the afternoons, uh, it was harder and kind of my head hurt a little bit and... Um, so I come back to this because what felt uh, so uh, what felt comfortable for me was to make h- how I felt mm-hmm. the kind of the the tiredness or the the, um, the headacheiness the object of my meditation mm-hmm. and then it would kind of dissipate a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but. You described this, uh, you've, you've talked about this idea of pushing through the surf and keep pushing through, and I'm wondering if uh, maybe I should be uh, missing out on something by not, in that situation, kind of continuing to, to really stay f- uh, uh, f- focused on my object of meditation instead of switching to yes. how I'm feeling. yes. So keep pushing through the waves. Yes. For you, and I know your practice a little better mm-hmm. than others, stay with the breath. And I might say different things to different people, but okay. for you I would say experiment. With, you have enough practice to stay with the breath. Mm-hmm. You have, you've done enough of switching to other things, but for you it's time to challenge yourself to stay with the breath mm-hmm. and see, wow, where that, where that goes. Okay. All right, thanks. Sure.
Hi, so you basically talked about like three types of meditation that um, kind of support each other. Are there any other types that you feel like, I don't know, that you practice or that you feel like support the ones that we've talked about? Yeah, and the three types, just to be concrete, others talked about samatha, practice of samatha, state of samadhi. We've talked about vipassana. We've also talked about heart practices, which are metta and the four Brahma-viharas, compassion, etc. Okay, So, so those are the three I suspect you're referring to. And just to say, uh, as a teaching point, that as I also mentioned, even though the, um, the Brahma-viharas, metta, is a concentration practice, but it kind of has a different, as a purification, a different kind of supportive purification. So, so, um, so those three, I would. There are a lot more practices. <laughs> yeah, that's the short answer. <laughs> oh my, uh, yeah, a um, lot more practices. Um, another favorite practice of mine, which I love teaching, is death contemplation. Is 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 an intense, wonderful practice, and that has many different sub practices in and of itself. Um, if you're curious about that, I have a bunch of day longs uh, that I've done. Probably would do again. They're they're recorded, are also on Dharma Seed and Audiodharma dot org, and there are lots of different practices. There are practices of the body. There. Um, and also speaking, yeah, so there are a lot of practices there. There's there's the four elements practice, which is a practice. Yeah. <laughs> could, could you repeat the name of that you just said? Which one? The four uh, the four uh, elements? No, like the... The, the Maranasati, death contemplation? Um, the website? Oh, no, no, the, the uh, audiodharma.org? No, 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 the, the, <laughs> I'm the practice just that you repeating. mentioned. I'm going to keep repeating. Which the, one? Yeah, the, yeah the, do you know what I'm talking Like the practice that you mentioned? Uh, Death contemplation. Death contemplation. Death death contemplation. It's death contemplation. That's the word. Do contemplation. No, it's it's death contemplation, and there's a lot of richness and and uh, aspect. Yeah, there are a lot of different practices. There, there are a lot of practices. Yeah. There, Thank you. There, yeah, exactly. But just start with the three and then add death contemplation if you want. And there was a bunch. There's a lot more. There's four elements. Anyway, next question. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can teach for years. There's so many practices. Yeah. Um, I guess this this is a combination of the um, the contact and the sustained application. Yeah. And the nature of curiosity. Yeah. Because... Um, I have a sense that repeated application mm-hmm. of attention mm-hmm. changes both what attention mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and what the object is. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so my image right. would modify looking at the what you were doing, and then yeah. all of a sudden the top of the bowl starts disappearing, right. and it, as does your hand. It, it because, uh-huh. So the the question has to do with uh-huh. going into that process uh-huh. as an investigation uh-huh. uh, versus sort of laying back and keeping it a little more surface so that the, the, your, one is answering, are you on or off the object? Uh, so, so it has to do with monitoring versus this this 
persistent question that's come up about when when are you starting to switch into mindful you know, noting that the stuff not by labeling but just by closer and closer observation uh, where things begin to dissolve yeah actually no I think that what you're asking is 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 confounding a lot of different things together. And given that I know you, I'm going to take this question offline because okay. it takes too long to unpack. There okay. are too many things that are being confounded. And okay. I'll have a longer conversation because we have four minutes left okay. to close. No problem. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. You well, have things to say about that's right, that. I do. Yes, there's, there's a lot. So I'm going to close it at, at that. And um, given that we have just a few minutes and I like to... Ah, finish on time. So I'd like to invite you to bring um, your attention to your body for a moment, to your breath. Ah, and just bring to mind, if you would, bring to mind one thing that you've learned from this weekend. Either you've learned from the pedagogy, from what's been shared, or something you've learned through your own first-person observation about your own practice, maybe an insight about something that has been revealed to you that you are going to take home with you. One thing, there might be multiple things, but please do identify one thing that you're going to take home. It might be an intention or practice, or it might be something you've realized, you've learned. Ah, and I ask you to please acknowledge it, bow to it in your mind. With that appreciation, we'll dedicate the merit of the two days of our practice together, our sitting, walking, Aligning our actions with our highest intentions, our curiosity, our questions, sharing of ourselves, supporting each other. May all the goodness created here in this path, all the goodness co-created together in these two days with all these human beings living and breathing and practicing together, are being human, trying to cultivate and develop. May all the goodness created May it serve all of us, and may it also percolate out, and in some ways, in whatever way, support and serve all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be happy, may all beings be free, including us. Thank you all for being here and practicing this weekend. It's been a pleasure to practice together. Ah, and it is five o'clock, right on the dot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Silent clapping. Oh, and you can find me for those. Um, you can find me, if you want, my teaching uh, schedule is at nikimurgafori.com. If you can spell my last name, good luck.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.